0: Episode 6. Wow, can you believe it? I'm so lucky and truly honored that people are willing to sit and talk to me. Me and my microphone, anyway. This is Limited Perspective. I'm Larry Fort. Our guest today is Kevin Dunn, musician, singer songwriter, and producer. Check it out.
1: You know, Jacksonville. I was like the first of the TV generation. Yeah, it's yeah. one reason I have it. I I'm not entirely free of a um, Southern accent, but you know right. Huntley and Brinkley and Tom Brokaw and the like are why I sort of have the American accent, mm-hmm. the media accent. Dad was in World War II. Okay. Okay. Mom, mom was from North Carolina. Um, awesome. Okay. He was in finance. Dad was in finance. Yeah, pretty low end. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There were mysterious cars would come and go from our house, and I was a little kid, so I didn't quite get it. it was, basically, I didn't understand, like, the concept
0: What was... What does that repo, mean? Repossession?
1: Yeah, hmm I remember one gigantic... <laughs> uh your dad did that. Hudson, well, I mean, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I think that fell to him. He had other duties as well, but... Um, Interesting. At least he got custody of the cars after somebody else picked them up for a while. Again, mm-hmm. they, would, they would move on to what I now understand to be the auction lot or whatever. And uh, so the, the the greatest one ever, from my standpoint, is just an un- uncomprehending munchkin, uh-huh. was... Um, God how old it was. I was like six or something. Six or maybe seven. And this gigantic boat, I think it was maybe a Hudson? I don't know. It could have been a continental. I don't know. It was gigantic. It was salmon. It was salmon and white and chrome. And it had air conditioning and electric oh, like it's kind of like a little a yacht? Or a big yacht? Yeah, it was. And it was like, it was the most marvelous thing in the world. I was so sad when it went away. But, um, Yeah. He quit that and uh, got a proper job in factoring, uh, like, 62, I guess. At what? At doing what now? Uh, in, in factoring. It's just like a deal. Uh, it, like, for instance, that a large part of their business consisted in um, underwriting the inventories of struggling textile firms in North Georgia, like around Dalton. no. I went on a trip with him once in 67, just in the car up to Chattanooga, uh, spent the night there, went up to Ducktown the next morning after a stop in Dalton the day before. I was sitting around, but I was 16 and I had a copy of Ramparts in the car with me, you know, reading about Che and Le de Blay and the like, you know, and it's just like... Uh, you know, and we're checking. I'm I'm finding out also at the same time how chenille bedspreads were made in Dalton, Georgia, oh, okay, in, okay. <laughs> in 1967. Okay, right. the year Sergeant Pepper came out. Okay, so, yikes! Interesting. <laughs> Very yeah, it's interesting. pretty strange. Anyway, so. Um, Okay. Also suburban. It was like I was, I was part of the first suburban generation of the South. Okay. Really. When Dad moved here to take a factoring gig, he mm-hmm. um, um, moved us out to a uh, s- development you know, out near Tucker, which okay. for the longest time uh, was like the uh, the suburb that couldn't. <laughs> yeah, so you know, there's Is a outside Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, out past
0: Decatur toward Lawrenceville. I was uh, I was in uh, kindergarten through seventh grade. I was in um, Sandy Springs. Okay, yeah, always tonier, <laughs> huh? <laughs> always
1: tonier than Tucker. What What do you mean? Oh well, well, t- I, I, Tucker was was. Uh, I mean, you must be right because I Tucker was country, yeah, I never heard of Tucker saying so Tucker like. is really country I mean it's, it's it's like I think they incorporated recently I mean uh-huh. they're they're like everything else that's inside the perimeter is developing, and there's you know an effort to gentrify it's uh-huh. you know, oh, I see, I see. The, the dynamic is you know sort of horribly homogenized okay. these days, but anyway, you know it's just like it was
0: it was a pretty typical '60s suburban okay. upbringing for the most part. So, what year were you, did you? I mean, let's see. What age were you when you ended up in? Uh, you said the year in, in, it, in, in Atlanta in,
1: in the Atlanta metro. Yeah. Um, '62. That would have made me 11. Okay, I All turned right. 11 in '62. Yeah. That sounds about right. So. You're so. That, it was culture shock, too, because it was, well, it was kind of country out there yeah, at the time. It was, right. it was, like, mixed. Yeah, yeah. yeah and just, there were still basically farm kids that went to my elementary school. Right, and That was all I was to. Cab county schools only had basically two levels. You went through seventh, and then you went to high school. So there were oh, five oh, high oh, schools. Okay. There was no middle school at the okay. time. All right. That, that was an innovation that came you know, in, in the early 70s. As far right. as I know, I was gone about the
0: time I went to my family mom moved us to South Carolina mm-hmm. stay, we stayed with grandma for a while and then uh, that's when I in Sandy Springs I would have gone straight to high school after the 7th grade right but they were in South Carolina I ended up one year in middle school mhm um, yeah yeah middle school
1: is like a whole tier of reality that yeah I've only heard about, my son went to middle school before high school, but, you know, it was like, and I knew plenty of people who Mm -hmm. went, but it was like, I was just on the cusp
0: there. The way I think of middle school is that's where, um, that's where kids really start to get bad, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's right the bad behavior, really. It's when they begin to assume actual
1: individuality.
0: Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, no. potential for good and the potential for bad are both very high.
1: Yeah, power so great it can only be used for good or evil.
0: <laughs> so I first learned about you through... Uh, I was... I had the opportunity to edit some converted Super Eight footage that Betty Alice Fowler. Took. Ah, and uh, one of the one of the reels was entitled uh, "Fans at Memorial Hall." So I, and and there was a, there was some footage of the band, but you guys were small, and I think maybe there were some close-ups of band members that I was like, I don't, I'm not mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. and it was you know totally silent. So I think I picked you out. You had a big white guitar and you like uh, you, yeah, I think uh, I still had yeah, I still had
1: my less Paul back then yeah. before somebody stole it. as 688. That's, that was no that was no fun. But I
0: still had it then. I loved that guitar. <laughs> it was beautiful and yeah, and I also saw a, a recent video of your you playing with your son and someone commented that it looked like you and I, I realized how I oh was that the Boston gig the Lilypad gig might have been you yeah, were doing a tune the... called Nam yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah yeah that's, that was a, that was a, uh, we sounded good on that tour you know I was kind of my usual you know Stiff, uh, you know. I like you very much, and I will talk to you because I'm supposed to talk to you. But I don't really, Ah. I don't really know what to say. And now a song. And now say no. I don't. don't, You know,
0: that's that's painful. That's a a unique, uh, that's a unique skill to be the social presence on stage as well. I mean, it's a whole other. Yeah, but I end up babbling a lot. Right, right. And and I'm relatively cogent right now. Yeah, but they should. I mean, they're there for the music. They're not necessarily there to. You to struggle through stories, you know, if you don't have them, <laughs> you don't want to. Um, so yeah, mostly. Uh, but it, so that film I saw was Betty Allison and her friends getting ready in one of the, you know, Athens rentals. I guess as college girls, you know, and um, and then later on, I they they must have been up with. Fred Schneider and Cindy Wilson, because there's a lot of film of them goofing around in mm-hmm. the halls or the lobby or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Those were the clearer pictures of... Um, that constitutes quite an archive. Yeah. Alice's stuff. Yeah, it was, I'm impressed with what, what she's done. I'm going to have to get her behind a microphone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what was it like um, being part of the... Scene when, you know, I mean, there must have been some vibe in the air. It was weird. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was while it was
1: going on, it was Alfredo and I and the fans were just so deadly earnest about the whole thing. It's like we were, right. we were performing theoretical activity uh-huh. um, at least that, that's
0: how we sure. felt about it. Um, well, it's fairly uh, involved uh in elaborate music too. You know, it's, you know, you, it is, although it's, do pro- that being it's probably not a whole lot more mm-hmm.
1: 40 you know, and say Bebop Deluxe or mm-hmm. a number of other bands of that period, uh, but uh, a lot of it came through in the lyrics. You know, and Alfredo is, you know, very passionate about his uh, particular. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it's hard to cover it in a brief compass, but sure, suffice sure. it to say, it was it was a pretty continental. Uh, apprehension of reality and actually kind of a conservative one Uh um, in a lot of ways and not a conservatism that's uncongenial to me because it's sort of like it's the interesting aesthetic conservatism that hides inside political conservatism Mm -hmm. and People who involve, you know, like people with liberal political views, who involve almost, you know, immobile liturgy in their religion, you know, but they want the theology to be modern. But even, you know, and that's, that's sort of the, the aesthetic impulse coming out, and um, that was the part uh, that was showing up in the lyrics, and I was, was really empathetic with with that, and. and sort of had my own th- theoretical concerns which are mostly just I don't know they're similarly poetic but they're a little more I guess maybe bloodless you uh-huh. know always, almost intentionally so uh-huh. um, but it, it, it was uh, how to say we were deep in that and also uh-huh. we wanted to get fabulously famous right right that's always a because then fun. we'd eat and pay rent and stuff uh uh-huh. um, so things just kept happening Um, uh, some of which had the effect of making us more and more peripheral Mm -hmm. and we were that because I mean, it's no secret that there is a certain frisson, shall we say, between uh, Athens and Atlanta sure. to some degree. I think there still is, actually. Yeah. You know, because Atlanta Atlanta is very noise oriented, you know, and Athens is more guard oriented, but not quite so much noise now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there always seems like there's some kind of opposition, and you know, um, you would you would know better than me, I think, is But um, I don't know. It's kind of like you know, attraction, repulsion, love, hate, and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, the fans have uh, the distinction of being, you know, Tony Paris. Uh, who for a long time was the uh, music editor and subsequently um, managing editor, I guess, of Creative Loafing. Okay. And, and Chad Radford was the editor of that now, of course. Uh, and, and doing a fabulous job. I love Chad. Chad's a great guy. But, uh... Um... I, he he called, he called us the granddaddies of the new wave in Atlanta, and that was fair. Well, he's what our, did he mean by? He's that? our contemporary, so it was uh-huh. like you know it was. Um, well, it was. <laughs> Did mean like you mean Atlanta was deep in the toils of Southern Rock in 75 uh, okay. when we started. Sure. Southern Rock and, and White Funk. Uh, you know, and of this was around the, 70, uh, 75. Five, 75. 75 was when the band actually uh-huh. coalesced right okay. toward the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point... Um, you know, we were listening to well, how old were we? I was yeah, I turned twenty four in seventy five, so um we were it just utterly absorbed in the English stuff and then the stuff was that was, you know, coming out of New York and we'd we'd been electronic art rock, garage band rock, you know, it was all what we were listening to and trying to get on board with. Plus, uh, Alfredo and I work with Tom Gray of uh, Delta Moon now, uh, of The Brains back in the day, okay. uh, a lot, because we all went to Georgia State together. Um and um, he added just quirk, major quirk. He knew jazz backwards and forwards oh, okay. and imported a lot of that in. We, we had all sorts of little nonce groups, never had a drummer, like uh, you know the good jazz boys, uh, Jolly Corpse, things yeah. like that. Uh, so uh, there was there was a fairly eclectic mix there i did some stupid things i went to calarts
0: for a little while right, right. for two 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 uh, so oh, yeah so calarts at what period were you there and did you end, did you i think you just mentioned where you went to school Right. i assumed you went to UTA. went to i went to, i went to georgia state
1: first never went to, never went to UTA. I okay went to, went to uh, georgia state and did two years there and basically had to get away from the draft because oh, okay. I was flunking out. Right, right. Because right. I, <laughs> I was reading what I wanted to read and playing a lot of music right, and basically right, right. goofing off. So I had to get declared a, a junior pronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, junior, sophomore, something I can't remember. Uh, or I was going to lose my deferment. So basically oh, I my, my father had died recently at the awfully young age of 51. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, hemorrhage. Um, and... um. Thunder?
0: I, I think it was just a truck. I didn't hear. It I keep yet. expecting it to rain at any minute. It was, yeah, it was forecast, but I don't think it. I don't think it
1: really will. But anyway, so there's a little money floating around. So it's sort of like I basically we're hot littered. I heard I heard about Cal Arts's sure. uh, school of critical studies mm-hmm. because. They wanted to get the humanities credits for the arts. they just moved to school uh, and combined chewing art and whatever else in, into the one unit out at Newhall, Newhall, Valencia. Uh, and um, they... Um, were just they didn't want to bust the kids into UCLA to do their uh, humanities credits, so they just decided to do them there. And once they had the department, they said, "Oh, well, let's just go ahead and do that." So they started granting uh, a, a degree out of the department, which was like you know. A, I think it was an MFA, basically, uh-huh. and they would they would specialize. So mine would have been in creative writing. Okay, but All anyway, the right. bottom line: I wrote them a hot letter, and they accepted me. And uh-huh. so, I was, oh, and say, would you guys not? Would you guys mind declaring me a junior because I'm so awesome, and, uh-huh. <laughs> and so I can get, you know be a junior? It's real important to be a <laughs> junior. <laughs> nudge nudge, wink <one> wink. <laughs> yeah, and they, they read that loud and clear, and so. There you go, I was done just for that, if nothing else. Also because I didn't need any money. Oh. Ah, good <laughs> Yeah, okay, so good. that was that. But I was there for two terms, then I came back because of a woman. Because of what now? A oh, woman. What? yeah, <laughs> mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's a long and crazy story which wow. isn't really all that interesting. <laughs> but suffice it to say I just got enough I then I just piddled around taking philosophy courses again at Georgia State and uh-huh. not doing much of anything else. All of the money ran out at a certain point I still did not have my degree and said, Oh well, I wanted to be a guitarist anyway. <laughs> So you are an, an informed uh, guitarist. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm another, I'm another dropout. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, but some of the, well, you know, that's, I don't know if that's. Gates is a dropout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if that's relevant as, as much. It's as good. Is it good or bad? I mean, so I, I feel like, uh, well, I wanted to ask more about Cal Arts, but I, I feel like maybe it was a mistake for me to stay in. School, like maybe I didn't do well because I didn't, um, I didn't care about any of it. It's like if, when I, once I realized, once I started reading books about, reading up on what I care about, I was like, oh, I, I do like to read. I, you know, this is a, you know, i my mind, you know, I was well into adulthood when I was like, oh, I can, I care about reading and learning about things. I did not realize that, you know. Well, you know, so it's like if kids were encouraged, if you, if you try to pick out what they were interested in, and then just let them, you know, you figure out the other stuff that maybe you didn't care about while you're focusing on what you're interested in. You're you want you're, to you're right in the middle of like
1: my bugaboo. Really? Like, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah, because I think we're in the Trump mess we're in right now. Not, because of the decay of letters.
0: It's you know, like an intentional. Um, Stupidification of the publics, or something. I don't feels, even know if I
1: don't even know if they're smart enough to do it intentionally. Mm-hmm. I think they just want to make everyone in their own image, mm-hmm. and they're stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody knows who we mean by them. Yeah, was, <laughs> don't don't others. y'all. <laughs> you know who you are. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I, I try... The day Ronald Reagan got elected, you know, I was still it was like in full board Jeremiah mode. Mm-hmm. It was like this this is keep doing this and we will be at and then say stuff that yeah. <laughs> then I would say stuff that basically translated to what life would be under Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, it really and it's like, and term. boom, it's just been a steady progression, with the help of the Democrats, all the way down the line. Everyone, mm-hmm. right. Every, everybody's played this stupid game. Everyone, and, and um, you know, and frankly, I'm all for games. Remember, yeah. you know, my my model of uh, my model of how society should work, mm-hmm. uh, Johan. I never get this guy's name pronounced. Hazinga, uh, a Dutch. Uh, Is historian and philosopher of history as much as as that uh, mm-hmm. the guy who wrote the waning of the Middle Ages big 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 deal book that two translations out of it a recent one it's, re- it's really good it basically it says that among other things the Middle Ages fell apart because the whole place was run by teenagers but uh. <laughs> yeah, all the adults have died <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, people who were 18 years old were running fiefdoms you oh, know, no. as a regular as, as a regular matter but uh. yeah I wrote this book called Homo Ludens. Oh. Uh-huh. Playing man. Okay. And he basically analyzes the activity of culture as just elaborate gaming. Mm-hmm. It's what we all do. Sure, it's one of sure. the reasons I'm not a doctrinaire socialist because uh-huh. there are people whose game is the one-upsmanship-oriented exchange of markers of value. And it's kind of like, okay, you can do that, um, and you can do it under restrictions, just like you can't take peyote and drive. Mm-hmm. You know, peyote, you're taking peyote should be alright. Driving while taking peyote should probably not. Uh-huh. So, all hell self-driving cars. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but, same deal. Go play your little game of capitalism because you know you actually do fulfill a, a sort of a useful function in that yeah, you yeah. get more money moving than would just through various sorts of bartery, commercey yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And we also know that some of it's going to stick to your fingers. Because anybody who trades into a commodity, the you know, miller gets a little extra flour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy who trades in money gets you know a little more fancy. <laughs> yeah, sure. PCN. So go play your game. Let me play my game. Right. You know I I. Do Art music game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. I'm going to go play at the old folks' home, and I'm going to go record this awesome, uh, you know, Ebo piece. You know, or at least I will think it's awesome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And what's this, What good? What use society makes of it will be a lot like what it makes use of it now. We'll put it on the internet, and maybe some people will hear right. it. Or maybe I'll go play at somebody's barbecue and get some barbecue. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And in the meantime, society will make sure that I have health insurance, a roof over my head, right. uh, get proper training of whatever it is I need for what I need, and go to yeah. the
0: doctor. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, it's pretty, yeah. It's, it's pretty, simple enough. It is pretty simple. There's there's. Capitalism is awesome, but right now, if we have pure capitalism, then gasoline would be ten dollars a gallon. And, it can't exist and, unregulated. The God knows what all. And, there, and if there's not regulation. You know, uh, some guy running a business is no more um, moral or hmm. Than, hmm. than than me or my uh, or my you know five-year-old child or whatever. You know, I don't have a five-year-old child. That's but. Th- it's like if people are selfish and imperfect, and if you don't regulate the business, it's just like they're gonna they're gonna take more. It's like it's like
1: the difference between poison and medicine. Mm-hmm. It's all a function of the dose, all right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, you know, it's just overdose. the scale of the operation. How much is useful? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how much is innocuous? Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be useful. I mean, a lot of it just has to do with commonality. Is logical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we live on a little rock, po- poised in nothingness, with a ten-mile-thick um, envirosphere, uh, you know, to keep us breathing and hydrated mm-hmm. and fed. And that's it, you know, against billions and billions,
0: maybe, of light years right? right of right, right, nothing. Right. This is it. It's a closed system, you know. And, and why isn't everyone, uh, especially our leaders and lawmakers, why aren't they using that type of perspective, and, and business people, using that type of perspective when they're miserable education? I mean,
1: right now, you can point to... Fifty years in this education to about, produce it. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's a atomistic, purely quantificationist um, studies that yeah, sort of back letters. Because I mean, it's no accident that conservatives have spent years upon years upon years attacking the American litristic establishment uh-huh. because. You yeah, know, smart asses cause trouble. Mm-hmm. And yeah, If you actually knew what, you know, uh, Popper said or what Popper said about Lycophron uh-huh. in the context of Plato or what some just said and wrote, yeah, the list goes the list, on. Yeah, I, I if hear you that. know yeah. all this stuff that's comprised uh Within the tools. ambit of letters, yeah. it, you're going to, among other things, you're going to be a lot less likely to reinvent the wheel. And capitalism really depends on replication. Mm-hmm. I mean, as it's presently modeled, yeah. it's like, well, this was a thing. Let's have 40 of them. Mm-hmm. You know, how many things like mailboxes, etc., can mm-hmm. we have? Right. A right. couple hundred? Mm-hmm. Some will fail. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. wow. That's their idea of moving yeah. money around in addition to just the straight-up banking-type mm-hmm. stuff and investment
0: stuff. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. they. It, it gets out of hand. It, it's yeah. like a cancer. Yeah. yeah. It's teratological. And here, I mean, here's something. I'm just going. I'm just like simplifying, you know. Like living with the current reality it's like I could almost, and I think most people would, I could almost go along with being um, manipulated, stolen from, and taken advantage of. Or if if I had, if I wasn't constantly watching news that made me afraid or paranoid or distrustful of my neighbor. If I wasn't, you know, if I had, like, food and shelter and I, and I knew I could afford to go to the doctor. You know, it's like I would, you could almost be, yeah, the billionaire class could pretty much do anything else they wanted. Well, here's an
1: unpopular opinion. Without about, me grumbling. Right, right. Know. Well, I watch Formula One. You know, so I don't. I don't mind rich men having their fun and yeah, yeah, just yeah. letting me watch. Exactly. You know, that's yeah. why I say it's their game, happier yeah. game. Yeah. What they do in the Williams team is about as distant from me as what they do on the street every day, except for the fact that I get to car, watch the nice cars go vroom mm-hmm. vroom. Mm-hmm. Car cam, yeah, best yeah. thing ever. <laughs> really, it is because I mean, that's if they if they me, man. they use the right from the nose perspective. Oh, shit yeah. actually like, It's like being if you focus it's like, right. It's like being in the car, you're anticipating the curves. You know, they, you even like if you focus hard enough, you almost start to feel the G's. It's it's cool. I love Formula One. So rich guys, fine, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What you do? Hey, hey, th- this is the unpopular opinion. I understand the historical role that unions have played. Right. But in. A Properly managed modern social democratic state with robots, Uh and we got robots, we're gonna have them now. Domino's and um, Google, I think, are working on some kind of technology for self driving pizza delivery. Oh shit. You know, I mean, well, I mean, they're gonna be replacing the fast food employees pretty soon. Yeah. You know, so. I'm just sort of thinking if they'll just pay their taxes to underwrite the social democratic state, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, and enough. Pay enough. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, okay. Because we're a little bit like the state that Rome was in during the period of Panem et Cercenses. It's like, we have a huge population that, in Rome, it was like, they had so many slaves that it didn't pay to employ anybody. And, uh, oh, right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, everybody got kind of a little. You know, you, you figured out where you were going to crash yourself, uh-huh. and uh, the state made sure that you got your bread ration, and you could go watch TV. Uh, i.e., guys killing each other. Sure. Not, so, not so, well, not so much killing each other. Actually, the Romans were really way more. Um, parsimonious about flesh than that because they paid money for those guys, and so they didn't necessarily want them to die. No, the, the the yeah. and the, uh-huh. the guys who under- underwrote everything. I mean, it was just like no. <laughs> it's like you had to like really be a complete wuss uh, before they would authorize your your being offed. Oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Also, they got the signs wrong. What they really did. This meant. Don't kill him. Ah. Thumbs down. Ah. Uh, and they would cry out, uh, "Aa metendum est." To let him be given over. And it's supposed to indicate the spear being dumped into the re- the sands of the arena. Oh, okay. Whereas they do this to kill him.
0: You know, ah. Polike
1: okay. so? turn the turn the turn it, the point into. Turn it, him. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and they stand. The yeah. yeah. You well, know, live, die. You know, so it's funny how things get backwards. Of course that's disputed? Anyway, whatever. <laughs> let them do what they want, and let mm-hmm. them pay their taxes to underwrite a properly social democratic regime. Right, right. Let people's and a universal minimum income. Exactly. Let people um, be able actually to bargain with their labor. Yeah. It's like, like, I won't take your crappy job for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I will have a roof over my head and the rest of it. Yeah. And then let them do what they will do in freedom and see what happens. I think we'd have more money than we knew what to do with. Mm-hmm. The capitalists could have fun because they'd be making. Quadrillions upon quadrillions, giving
0: half of it to the government. Yeah, they could still earn money. There's some people that are not. They're born. They're going to keep earning money. They, they, you know, they're going to die, and their family's going to continue being billionaires for potentially an eternity. Anybody that's living like that shouldn't. I mean, the only problem is they don't. They didn't grow. They didn't grow up in the same world, so they don't have the same perception. But. Like Manukin's wife, I can't figure that out. Who's wife? It's
1: Stephen Manukin, the uh, the Treasury oh, yeah, Secretary, yeah, yeah. getting off the plane and hashtagging all her clothes. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was like they like chartered a plane. Uh-huh. No one's quite sure who paid for it. Uh huh. Mister and Mrs. Treasury Secretary, yeah. um, to go watch the eclipse. And there's a shot of her getting off the plane, and she's it's just too air-headed to be believed. I can't remember what she said exactly, although it was dim and kind of offensive. And she hashtagged her clothes with the designers in her her tweet. Uh. I was just like... Gosh. I was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> and everybody blew up—not as big yeah. as they blew
0: up over the Melania's, stilettos. you know, four-inch stilettos or yeah. the hell they were. But I know I try not to get nit- nitpicky. I, I try not to jump in on those criticisms. However, it's just another uh, illustration of that. You know, it, it's not it's people that grew up. It's not necessarily their fault that they are infected back clueless. But if you'll it is your fault if you're not, at some point, don't realize you need to start trying to pay attention and... No, no, Dunning-Kruger effect. Huh? The
1: Dunning-Kruger what effect. What is that? Oh, it, academic corroboration, anyway, of huh. the, they're the... It basically just corroborates the notion more strongly that the less you know, the less you are... Likely to know that you don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, your epistemology is set up to where you don't even know the categories mm-hmm.
0: that you can cognize. Right. So that way, it's easier to let millionaires and billionaires think that they deserve it, and it's the fault of the poor, and they're they're like all. Oh well, I mean, just I technical
1: stuff. Uh-huh. You know, just basic. You know mechanical things and crazy stuff. Like, they were, they showed a focus group from Emory, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Hart was conducting it mm-hmm. of voters from the last election. This was just held, apparently. And it was about ten people that half and half not Trump voters, other mm-hmm. Trump voters. Everybody expresses horror, yeah, <laughs> surprise, I'm but um, right, right, right. I can't remember. But some at what the exact percentages were, and if it broke down between the two groups or not. But apparently, a majority of some component of the assembled uh, focus groupies. Uh, a, didn't know who Robert Mueller was okay right right right. it's like how See, how do you not there's, he's in some form of news anywhere yeah Robert Mueller the guy who it's like happening could, now could do Trump I yeah, mean yeah. You, how do you not know this guy yeah. um, and that's just like one tiny example of the many voids of just valuable practical information and <laughs> that's um, just not available to a gigantic swath of the public. And to hear them talk, it was just like... They were describing all of the Trump behaviors and affects and everything else that were perfectly manifest to anybody who'd been as watching those campaigns for Fading. the last twenty-five years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. he was on before Twin Peaks was on. You know, and he was the same obnoxious jackass. I mean he was just some guy gotten people somehow. You know, back in 85 or wherever, he seems to emerge sometime around the beginning of Reagan's second term. I can't remember for sure. It seems like he's always been here. Yeah. And he's always been horrible. Yeah, yeah, he's
0: yeah. He's never yeah. not been horrible. And they're all right. like, how how did you not know and certainly during the campaign he was like flagrant you know it wasn't like well I mean the whole handicap
1: yeah disabled reporter business yeah yeah why would you think that? I mean... Are you, are you even human? Yeah. yeah. I yeah, have yeah. said recently... Yeah, yeah, it's not, like... Yeah. Maybe not. I'm fairly sure now he's... There's, yeah. it's, there's reason to believe he's a saurian extraterrestrial <laughs> in a human suit. It's really true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> like, like like, like the whole the, the, the thing, like... Uh, like he... The, um... You know, my... Dad gave me a small loan of 30 million dollars you know it's like okay now I know you don't understand anything because you somehow think you built your empire you know on your own and start, he could have freaking fucked up and lost all that money and still had a couple million and survived and handsomely yeah and keeps handsomely and claimed claimed to be a success so it's no you didn't people like you did not start from the ground up you're not a rags to riches story you're not somehow a successful businessman you know they, they never, he, he never, he uh, never, he never went hungry or didn't have a roof. What's the old Jim? He lived Hightower. in luxury since birth, and so he, yeah. It's, like
1: it's the old Jim Hightower thing. He was, uh, you know, born on third and thinks he had a triple. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's, you know, I that's I, an oldie but goodie. Shout out to Texas. <laughs> I believe Jim Hightower's from Texas. Anyway, that's... Uh, so. Uh, not a bad uh not a bad uh, figure that no,
0: that's- yeah. So what was it like, um... I'll be, I may have to skip around. Go ahead. I, what, I've, I've been skipping around. Okay. Oh, I, you know, I wanted to go back to CalArts, so... Um, oh, yeah. Because did, did, I don't necessarily think that was a mistake. You know, you sort of referred to it as, like, a diversion. It,
1: well, no, it, it was good because it
0: kept me out of the draft. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I had no intent. I was.
1: I mean, I was, you know, I was ready to go over the border if I had to. Do. Uh-huh. Um because, you know, at that point, why not? Dad wasn't around to complain about it right, at that point, right. and Mom would just assume I didn't get, you know, you know, impaled on a bungee spike, so um, there was that, but no, no, it wasn't a mistake, it was fun, it was just, it, it, uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly, I loved being in L.A. Mm-hmm. I agree with Herzog about uh, Los Angeles being the most authentic city in the United States. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, counsel all the young people in my orbit. You know, as uh, soon as you, as soon as you can, get out of the southeast, really? head west, go, to go there, yeah. look, look, look across the Pacific. Uh-huh. Um, I still remember what it was like the first time I ever looked across the Pacific and said, "On the other side is not Europe." And I was the first. You know, I guess I was like you know, 19 when that happened. It was just like. It was not something I had seen before. I mean, sure it looked like more ocean, but the awareness of the, not what was my my sphere, my, my conceptual sphere at that point. It's like it was meaningful and it's even more meaningful now. Right, so, right. yeah, but but it was great being in LA. I met Wild Man Fisher. You know exactly. Wild Man Fisher? No. Wild Man Fisher was part of the Zappa um, Zappa stable uh, okay. back in those days. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was like in a record store in, uh, in in Westwood or something. I hung out in Westwood for a lot, a lot for some reason. And even though the school was like 30 miles north. Um, and um, like around UCLA. Because there's lots of cool stuff there basically at the time. Anyway, so I was in a record store and I found... Uh, Wild Man Fisher's first release uh, uh, that Zappa had put out uh-huh. it tunes like merry-go-round merry go could he just screamed he like, merry go merry Go, merry-go-round it was wonderful it was just <laughs> insane anyway and I was I pulled it out of the rack and went oh my god Wild Man Fisher this is great Court goes yeah you want to meet him <laughs> and he was just like, boom, there he was. And of course, as usual, he was perfectly normal. Right, right. It was yeah, a great record, though. Wild Man Fisher, kids, look it up. It's he on the, the internet. He wasn't the character that was in He the was not. He was perfectly rational. I don't know, maybe he was just on his meds. I'm not huh? sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I mean, yeah. but but yeah, it was it was great. It was I, I did not use my time well. Surprisingly, <laughs> right. How did that happen? Fair and, <laughs> yeah, it was like well, for instance, I mean this is just an ancillary thing. Um, I was like Sandy McKendrick the director who was teaching in the film school and I was mm-hmm. taking a number of film classes I was too dumb to even know who was talking to me okay you know okay. first starts you know, I did see a whole bunch of good movies where I saw like the Battle of Algiers for the first time uh, but the worst part is that uh Sobotnik was teaching there and, and he had the club you know and I could have just you know gone in and taken the course okay. but my roommate and I for some reason or other he, he was like a uh, a garage punk mm-hmm. uh of, of the early '70s from Indiana, and uh, he influenced me to a very considerable degree. And I wasn't big on electronic music anyway. It was sort of, I was sort of a you know drawn toward, toward it and simultaneously derisive of it. Sure, I can understand. So anyway, you know, we had this standing joke that the new Cal Arts building looked a little bit like the Starship Enterprise had crashed, and. <laughs> Uh, we were walking down the halls one night and I could hear stuff coming out of the lab uh-huh. and we were giggling about how stupid it was. <laughs> Like five years later, it was like, I just, it's you know, I would try not to think about it because yeah. I would just want to open a vein. <laughs> was like, why did yeah, right, you not yeah. do that? Yeah. Talk talking about the stupidity of youth. That's like my standing auto example. I was like, yeah, don't give anybody younger than yourself grief about that because that's like, from an aesthetic standpoint, it's just about the worst decision I ever made. So that kind of colors. So I, I piddled around with a lot of poetry and phony anthropology. Uh-huh. We had one guy who was an outright fraud. Uh-huh. He was teaching a course in Kabbalah. And, what now? In Kabbalah. The uh, it, it's um, oh the oh the Kabbalah. yeah 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 but the the, yeah, the, thing that, right. the thing that just, the thing that Madonna is mysticism. into yeah, the yeah. Uh, the bastardized. I have a small popularity. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and. Um, so he, like, he starts off with what he's claiming is a you know sort of an obscene uh, ritual meal, and I'm sort of going, yikes, this is weird.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, gosh, he has a degree from the Oriental Institute. Yes, I did a couple of classes with him and mm-hmm. said, no, this is just too weird, and I dropped it. It turned out he was a complete fraud. He had no degree from nowhere. Oh, Ma- hilarious. Yeah, maybe, a, maybe. On the other hand, the guy who taught my Mesoamerican... Uh, archaeology of course was uh, he was a uh, yeah, a Goldman medal winner uh-huh. you know so he was the real deal all the time uh, okay. but you know, it was just I could, I could have done similar courses at Georgia State you know. For a lot less money. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, so I mean, in some ways it was it was a wasted opportunity. Uh-huh. Because I only went back to Atlanta because they finally had the uh, lottery and oh. uh, they got in touch with me right after and basically said, Your number is so low that you will not be called up unless they nuke Los Angeles. So why don't you, oh, okay. like, you know, drop drop your deferment for six months and we'll just take you off the books. Okay. So, to wow. a certain extent, because, you know, fate, if I'd stayed yeah. in Atlanta, I'd have gotten two. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, sure, sure. you know, I'm I'm not complaining right. about it from that standpoint. No, no I it's either. still hey, hey, you it, had a life experience, so no matter. What. The other aspect of it is that I just, you know, yeah, I I lose really significant chances to acquire musical uh, acumen. For sure, I, it for was, sure. was somewhat more
0: hard won mm-hmm. uh, and and done with lots of less <laughs> less good equipment. <laughs> well, so in that way, uh, Vietnam was. I mean, it was such a. Uh, pain and uh, scar on the. I imagine you guys living through it. Where uh, I listened to Mark Maron's interview with uh, uh, Oh shit, Al Gore, and and uh, just you get a picture of guys dealing with possibly being called and you know and yeah and then family. It's just. It seems so sad as well. It was, it was, so uh, it was pretty awful.
1: And I mean, it seems like the worst of it happened while I was in high school. Uh-huh. So. You know, we were choosing up sides though. It was like, because all the freaks were, you know, mm-hmm. completely against yeah. the whole business. And the uh, one one member of, of my uh, class, Skip Holcomb, Skip what now? Skip Holcomb. He uh, was actually in. Name uh, sounds familiar. Yeah, if if memory serves, he was actually in Carter's White House. Really? Yeah, so. We had some, you wow. know, establishment types, you know, I mean, not uh-huh. not conservative establishment types per uh-huh. se, but, you know, definitely the sort of guys who would, hmm, whenever we were, you know, fulminating against whatever, whatever happened in K-Sun I mean, that day or whatever. I remember, though, when the Tonkin Gulf incident happened, I just, it's in that tune you heard, Nam, uh-huh. there, it, it, it uh, the second verse is basically a portrait of me uh, listening to the news of the Tonkin Gulf incident on the you know 7 o'clock NBC news and knowing that you know it it was it it wasn't going to end well yeah basically you know and I'm like what was that 64 I guess it's 64 when the the Tonkin Gulf incident occurs yeah because it's after Kennedy's dead and it's uh, you know I'm going (sighs) I'm, like, 13, you know.
0: <laughs> it's
1: like, not even that. So what was before. the incident, though? What, what exactly? Oh, uh, it was, it was supposedly Vietnamese... Fired on a patrol boat of a, a, maybe a destroyer. I can't remember the, uh-huh. the, the craft. It was bigger than a patrol boat, mm-hmm. but some craft. It was a U.S. vessel specifically, not a Vietnamese one that we had some uh, had some uh, personnel on. It was uh-huh. it was definitely U.S. Navy, supposedly, uh-huh. and subsequently was shown basically to be a lie. Just to s- gosh, what a surprise! But that was the pretext. Forget for going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, they were okay. they were just itching to do it, and the Republicans were. They need a reason him. to get the public behind it. Yeah. yeah. So, oh dear, looking outraged, perpetrated on our. I mean, they shot the ship. There was not even a, a casualty, as far as I
0: recall. I don't hold Uh-oh. me to that. But it was so, like, so many. Yeah, it was. This conversation could go other places yeah. too, and. <laughs> but. Uh, um I told you there would be a bunch of yeah. words. Um, Damn words. I just, um, I listened to a podcast uh, with a woman that wrote a book about her, and this, this is what, it just clicked back in my head, and also there's another documentary, I guess, Ken Burns did of Vietnam? I don't know. But uh, this woman has written a book about her story as a refugee, and she left Vietnam with her family and another family on a boat, like many people did, mm-hmm. um, and tens of thousands, uh, or I don't know, a large number of refugees attempting that died, you know, or ended up in bad situations. But uh, it, and this is in 1981 when she left at the age of 11. And so, you know, in my world, the Vietnam War had ended, and I was. And I like was kind of an oblivious sort of '80s kid, so, and I was maybe a little bit older than she was at the time, and I'm thinking that I thought, you know, in my from my perspective, the whole war was over, everything's better, and it, no, and there's still people suffering, trying to get out of the, the oh, yeah. country oh, yeah. because of what happened. So
1: it, it, it was just. Hugely, insanely unsettling. It was just—it was—it was my my first taste of the uh, decentering effects of democratic government mm-hmm. in the uh, in, in the, uh, the last third of the twentieth century. I was like, ah, oh. and, mm-hmm. and it's only gotten worse. Yeah, yeah. There's right. I seems like I try to let less death improvements. Yeah. Okay. We have we have better weaponry and smaller theaters. In which we accomplished just as little. Yeah, right, exactly. Maybe- I mean, it's the same story. We could just bomb everybody into atoms. Yeah. But we're not quite that vicious, so we just go in and say, well, oh. we can just do this yeah. jujitsu plus yeah. killing two or three wedding parties by accident. Oops, sorry. We just need, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, hello. And just I just hope we rely on more terrorists for the 18 right. people we just
0: killed. Right. right. Nice work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So terrible. It oh. is. Uh, well, let me transition into uh, Candy Crush. Threat or Menace? <laughs> I don't know. That would um, be a transition. I, uh, well, you're, The fans were together for four years. Five years? Mm, four and a half. Somewhere yeah. in there.
1: Says Toward actually, the end, it... it things sort of petered off. We were about ready to do a tour when um, internal tensions finally made the unit's continuation un- um, untenable. He mm-hmm. yeah, said in corporate
0: speak. <laughs> but yeah, bands break up, but so I, I was just going to say probably as a rule, four or five years is pretty good, you know. But four or five years is
1: not bad if you had really high expectations and were going at... At least... I mean, for me, it was really high intensity. I'm, I mean, it's, it's I'm a lazy slub, so that's not saying much, but that was pushing it back then. And after five years of that, and no real success, oh, and people are starting...
0: We're young, yeah. so we're growing apart. And that's what I think you don't realize, uh, that stuff takes time until you're older. You know, like, it takes a little more. Yep. Yep. That's true. Well... It was, uh,
1: I don't know, it's too bad. Um, a lot of stuff stu- should have been reported mm-hmm. and wasn't. Yeah. And some that was is still out in limbo waiting to uh, see the light of day. Oh, okay. It probably well, won't be until after I'm dead. Mm. Maybe not. Maybe. For a variety of reasons. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's like...
0: <sighs> well, what was it like... Uh... I read that you are you uh, co-produced the Rock Lobster with uh, guy with guy at DB. Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: Danny what was that, like, uh, Danny Beard. Danny Beard. Uh-huh. Yeah, he he is the Georgia Music Hall of Fame, uh-huh. richly, deservingly so. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, he was. That's part of the whole weird thing about the Atlanta Athens thing because. The fans got their keyboard from, their keyboard player from Athens, Mike Green, uh, because, not the Mike Green, who was associated with Hampton Grease band, and later with Naras, or whatever, that, that... One of those, one of those musical acronyms I can't remember. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, Mike Green of Athens. Um, we we got him as a keyboard player through Danny's association with my old high school pal Harry Demille, who had like started. Wax and facts. Back when all well, five points for real estate was worth nothing, uh-huh. um, and um, they were renting at that point, I guess. Um, and I don't remember if where they started it together or if they started it together or anything. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Actually, I guess so. I guess it, Harry had it going, and Danny joined with him, and uh, but. We knew Danny, so therefore uh, Mike was recommended to us. We're having a double of time getting it. We'd finally gotten a drummer after all these okay. years. We're having a double of time finding a keyboard player, mm-hmm. and Danny basically said, "How about my pal Mike?" We tried him; he was great. You know, he was quirky and modernist, and uh, we had a synthesizer for him to make noise on, which made him very happy. And um, <laughs> that's how that went. So consequently. That was how we got the Athens connection, and Danny knew everybody in the bees, and you know, well, he knew everybody in Athens, okay, certainly okay. the music scene. And uh, uh, when the bees had attained a certain level of uh, uh, popularity uh, in Athens, Danny's all like, "Let's do it! Let's uh, let, 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 let's let's get this recorded." <laughs> and I was, uh, I had done. One project uh, had been on one. I hadn't done anything with actual production except, you know, putting my oar in the water about mm-hmm. the tunes for the fans because we did, like, a 7-inch, 33 and a third RPM, what we called an EP uh-huh, at uh-huh. the time, yeah. which is funny because it went right on the 45-only jukebox at CBGB at 33, and was like, you know, we had a version of Telstar on there, right? Yes. You yeah, know, like little ants with the horns is great. That's, Swell. Yes, ha, ha, so ha. Everybody no one, got a big laugh out of it. I don't yeah. hear that much. Those char characteristic of my musical career generally. But, uh... <laughs> Like, terrible. So terrible. yeah. So uh, anyway. So yeah, I, I had the most experience. So I got tapped to be the guy who was gonna, you know, sort of be the sherpa more than anything, and just show everybody how to put their headphones on, uh-huh, uh-huh. and and to interface with the engineer on the project. Okay. Um, all right. Bruce Baxter. So that that's how I was in on it. I uh-huh. was like, a, um, it was the usual production sort of thing. I had some. Uh, I I had some suggestions, some were Mm -hmm. in the the more merely mechanical ones were accepted, the more creative ones didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. fare so well. The most interesting one in a way, uh, there are two of them, one was that I wanted to put a ring modulator on the uh, guitar, and in the down down part. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah and it was because you know because that would be cool to have the pitch go up as the uh, downness happened because bubbles rise, of course. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that that was uh, I wasn't Rhett Davies, so that didn't uh, <laughs> that didn't fly. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and, Davis, I should say Davis. All my English friends hate it when I say that. I'm like an American, I always... D-A-V-I-E-S, I always pronounce it Davies. Davies, it's right, 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 right. Just Davis, as in Ray. Okay. But anyway, um, so there was that. And there was this thing on 52 Girls uh-huh. where one of the oscillators on the farfisa, on the bass oscillators, was uh-huh. dead. So whenever you played that note, you'd get the pitch... The, the, the actual keyboard pitch, but not the not the octave below, uh, oh. and so there was basically kind of a hole in the bass, and the bass to fifty two girls is a pretty you know simple one five flat seven octave kind of blues thing. Um, And it was interesting because with the hole in the bass, there is this little funny cycle set up between Keith's drums and the bass, where every now and then there'd just be a little tom hit out in the air, boom, just like Ah. that, just clear. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. When we got through mixing it, everybody's gathered around to listen, they said, oh, damn it, (laughs) that oscillator shot. And I made a big, big, big... You
0: wanted to keep it. Well, I did. Then they did for the first 5,000
1: copies. So anybody who's got the first 5,000 copies is the DB single okay. one, one, one of the first five thousand of the DB single um, of Rock Lobster and 52 Girls has my production uh-huh. of uh, you could call it uh, of Fifty Two Girls. Everybody else has the one where they went in and recut the bass uh-huh. and for the for the next run of uh, singles. So I have to go back and re-listen. Yeah, there, there's actually a difference between the two. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Discographers take note all 12 of you listening. <laughs> no, I'm sure there will be millions upon millions, right? Huh? Millions upon millions listening to this. It, our, uh, di- this our this di- podcast? Yes. Oh, no, yeah, not yet. <laughs> not, you never know. No, it's maybe not quite, uh, <laughs> not quite 50. Uh, 50 would be ambitious. Is good. You know, That's good. Yeah, That's better I than most of the audiences I've had at my gigs since 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, I know, that's, uh, not counting art rocks. No,
0: uh, it's, it's, just not, there's a few people become big successes, and then I guess others, you know, it's, what is it? I've what? been working for the footnote most of the time. uh uh-huh. <laughs>
1: For the what now? The footnote. Footnote. I know. As long as I survive, <laughs> as, as long as there are some audio files, and I survive in the scholarly mm-hmm. literature for three hundred years, I win. Okay. I think I won't be around to see it, but that's no, okay. I think it's my heirs in the
0: science will think it's hilarious. Well, talk talk to me a little bit about your solo career because it's it's pretty. I mean, I listen to uh, well, I guess this is a collection of of something. What did I listen to? I listen. I listened to your band camp, so I listened to No Great Lost and the Imperial...
1: Oh, the, the, the uh, Miraculous Miracle of the Imperial Empire? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now my, my newest collection, which dates back to... Some of them tunes are really old, uh-huh, actually. Uh-huh. I, I, there, there are some tunes on there that I wrote back in... Uh, gosh... 84 yeah, okay. 85 I think lockdown might actually have happened in some form or another back when I was still in the fans I'm not sure uh-huh. but so a lot
0: of them are uh, newer in that 2009 or so and did you have did you have collaborators or did you do a, a lot of it yourself um, you, when Robert Schmidt played kit on uh, a lot of uh, a lot of
1: the album I played drums myself on a certain amount I played drum I have bass on a certain amount of it and my son Malcolm uh uh, played bass on uh, some other cuts you know it's just kind of a mix um of the keyboards except one that I can think of are me. Okay. Okay. Anything else with so strings and frets? pretty much anything else strings it's, are, yeah. it's also me. A
0: lot of what I've it's, it's like multi-layered there's like a throwing out a lot of concepts you know there's there's a it's, um, it, 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 it's popularity shunningly dense. Uh-huh. <laughs> well one of the tracks made me think of, you know, made me imagine uh, Lou Reed was playing for the Cars, with, you know, or singing with the Cars, and that's high. Chrissy concept. Hine was maybe a guitarist <laughs> on it, you know, and then and, uh, Chrissy Hine and Seth. It's, I'm, I'm vaguely it's kind of Frankenstein. It's kind of Frankenstein together in a lot of ways. Well, I didn't mean it like that. I meant like there were some, there were some flavors, and maybe, um, you know you just had a, a flair for what was developing at the time or, just, or you were influenced by the same you know
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's like
0: I just get certain tastes and in certain
1: instruments mm-hmm. and uh, the harmony writing is to sort of stand alone uh-huh. it's sort of like I mean except I just I, I'm a terribly disappointing player in terms of doing uh, um covers, when people want covers, uh-huh. that's kind of done straight, because uh-huh. I can't do it. You can't bring yourself to do it? I can't do it. No, I
0: will try. Very I'll, nice version of oh, Over the Rainbow, by the way. Oh, thank you. And, I'm uh, uh, and Louie Louie.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, very, I'm very fond of, of both of those. Louie Louie is awfully noisy, mm-hmm. but um, it does follow in my rules of performing covers, though, which is uh, keep the underlying harmony make everything pretty much voicing or maybe ornaments, but I mean, don't just, you know... Right. Don't do a noise version of it, basically. I mean, it's just like, if if you break down... uh, Break down the harmony in that version of Louie Louie. I mean, all the chords are there. I mean, I'm I'm playing them most of the time in one form or another, but they're just revoiced. No, I enjoy that riffing around. Yeah, that's fun. I like to do covers. I I I keep threatening to try to put together basically a band that's Mm -hmm. just covers, just a cover project. I wish I could get a deal, a residency someplace Mm -hmm. where I um, um go into a room some protracted period of time say three months at Uh least for a test period and and be there every Tuesday and the idea is that play the first show and then there's like stuff out on the tables Uh and it's like only those who actually show up get this privilege and it's like well what do you want to hear next week and Uh basically have them like you know 10 slots and, uh, see, see, uh, what 10 tunes people offer me. And the, the idea is that this will be done with a lot of recorded, uh, backing nice. tracks. Yeah. And just, just so nobody has to, uh, so nobody has to, uh, do a bunch of reversing, you uh-huh, know, uh-huh. and since so I'm writing the parts, I can do whatever the hell I want. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then just come in every, you know, uh, you know, and kind of play really stump the band. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. okay, honey, uh, okay, give me okay. honey. What do you, what do you think I could do with that? Bobby Goldsboro's venerable chestnut. I, I don't even know if I know that. One. That's just terrible.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah, that's
1: really terrible. <laughs> but you know, I mean, just that kind of thing. Just, uh, just any. Um, I would like to challenge people yeah, to, yeah. to to give me the most outre stuff possible and see if I can pull it off. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, not in terms of hard to find. Could be like, well, you have to tell if, if it's really obscure. You have to tell me where I can hear the file. Right, right, right. You know, yeah, that kind of thing. But that would be fun would because be, yeah, you know, yeah, one yeah. reason yeah. rock and roll is just still so immature in a lot of ways mm-hmm. is that it never really wrestled in an interesting way with its back repertory and I mean. its own great American songbook um, like jazz bands, you know, like oh. mean, Rogers Rodgers and Hart and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they they bop it up to where you couldn't, you know, distinguish where the melody line was mm-hmm. necessarily, unless you were, you know, practically somebody who could read scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, still, it was like they were approaching the 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 corpus. They were approaching the canon. Yeah. And I w- I'd like to to have seen rock do more of that. My boy did a good bit of I it. I see
0: what you mean. They challenged p- the listener.
1: Like pinups, you know, uh-huh. pinups would. Was, uh, you know I think a is really a sig- yeah yeah. he did like a bunch of stuff from the 60s mostly like uh, a Floyd a C. Emily Play and uh-huh. Sorrow and Wish You Would by the Yardbirds who uh-huh. oh, awesome ah. uh, Ainsley Dunbar is oh. playing drums on um, most of them Ronson's you know just killing it just going so is really to. good, and you know, and a lot of them are, a lot of them are changed more in arrangement details than in uh, actual um, voicing mm-hmm. issues. But still, they're 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 pretty amazing. And I'm just sorry there just hasn't been more informed, systematic approaches to yeah. covering uh, the the back catalog of the whole genre than there has been. Yeah. I'd love to go out and do that for, like, you know, know, the blossom, the blossom-dury of art rock. Yeah. Now, now at Hinder Shots, you know, every Tuesday until he dies.
0: (laughs) You should find a way to do that. Oh, the cell phone. What a new, what a brand new benefit and problem. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Complicates. It's that's, that's nice having our our Starfleet communicator on us at all times. Yeah, sometimes. exactly.
0: I, mean, I, I like. I'm not casual about it. I keep mine in the front pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I work at, oh, hell yeah. at UGA. And we have a lot of students everywhere and some interns. And I'm always in the back pocket. But you know, usually there's cracked glass, and I'm just like, I, you know, if I, I have nightmares about cracking a glass, you know, I can't. You know, there's no. <laughs> I can't. This uh. Rubber
1: baby buggy bumper mm-hmm. I got here. Oh, I have one. It, it's the best. Mm-hmm. It's like it's gone down face down any number of times, and, uh-huh. and that it was always on a uh, Not broken flat floor. I was just like, thank
0: you very much. Yeah, yeah that's what I need to safety for sure. Okay, you also uh, you also co-produced a, a, a little bit of pylon.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the first album. Yeah, and the, the, to the extent that there are any different, actually, I, I think the mix on the single and the and the versions that appeared on the album were basically the same. So, yeah, the the first album, it was my involvement it was mostly cons- it consisted in uh, um, being really aggressive about deciding to use the flanger on loads of stuff. <laughs> Let's do this. Turn that effect. up Bruce uh, Bruce Bruce had a. Uh, uh, lexicon unit that he was patching into uh, the board at the time and that that was hot when I oh, okay. can't even remember the model number uh, 200 or something maybe but uh, it had you know digital digital reverb like you wouldn't re- believe circa 1980 <laughs> whenever that was and it was yeah, just yeah. like um, yeah that was uh, I think I'd already done Nadine by that point but I hadn't done the album so. um, and that was uh, They were great to work with, you know, because they were, you know, um, they they were making art first and foremost, and anything else that happened was sort of like, kind of like, not my problem, Mm -hmm. you know, or BS or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, so, uh, and and they were were really pretty, a nice mix of the Jolly and Saturnine, Uh in terms of their approach to things, so it was like, yeah, enthusiasm came when it was appropriate, and uh-huh. soberness came when it was appropriate <laughs> and uh i was i don't know and I was like oh, that was an enjoyable experience and i uh I'm happy uh, that uh you know we've we've got the collegial relationship you know all of this ever since you know very 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 sad about Randy uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Pylon Reenactment society is of course you know Quite amazing. Right yeah. yeah, that's. Uh, I have to. I have to listen up. I, yeah, yeah,
0: they do. Um, they do good work. Uh, they they do, had one record. They do good work. A long time ago, I, I'm going And then I've listened to singles recently. I, I, I realized Gyrate is one that I'm gonna have to go back and listen to the whole. Thing. Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah. That is. Uh, that's the most brilliant naive harmony ever. Okay. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and she's like, here, we just decided we'd play that. You figure out you, know, you, <laughs> you figure, figure out. out what the what mood this bastard is, <laughs> <know>. please enjoy <laughs> oh yes, and while you're at it, dance <laughs> yeah yeah, just it's late, like, you know. yeah I, I envy so many bands' ability to get people to dance. Mm-hmm. everyone just stands there and looks at me,
0: yeah. Well you yeah you have to you, well, your music I've listened to it. you have to pay you, you feel obliged to pay attention, see, I think that's attention must be paid yeah it's like there's there's a lot going on you you know there's a there, um a like you know like any pick anyone like nadine or I think, um, I'm, there, I think I'm
1: more respected
0: uh-huh. than I think I'm more respected than loved. <laughs> no, well, I think it's fair. kind of what it comes down to. It's not, you know, it could be a healthy combination of the two. You know, it's, I don't know. It know. was Caligula's birthday recently. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
1: Well, happy <laughs> in, in that connection It was yesterday <laughs> The day before You know I read Actually recently the Caligula Probably got a bad rap Yeah, oh. yeah. And More and more Historians uh, Of the Mary Beard Striper Beginning to Question just How accurate Uh and Suetonius was about anything. He mostly have been a hatchet job on the Julio Claudians. And the more people look into it, the more they know. the people seem to be fine with Caligula. I
0: believe it. I believe it. Part. Like it depends on the the you know like just historians or whoever can be they're professional slanderers or they've got one sided view or whatever. Suetonius
1: is practically our. A, our only source for all the, uh, those guys.
0: So, right. Like,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, did they even exist? So, yeah, there's probably. Some like... Illuminati plot to obscure the reality of the young Earth. Yeah, well, I, I would. Make sure to send a clip of that to Alex Jones.
0: Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Thinking frogs gay Um. Thank God. I... <laughs> That's nuts. That's intentional dumbing down. <laughs> Him and. Characters like Lumbot. Well, letting him be on the air is intentional to so, me down. I think he's dumb all by his own self. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it's like uh. some of these guys are lit- trying to put wrong information in the heads of their listeners. You know? Yeah. To weaken and, and divide it's, them. It's working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, oh, it's chicken nuts. and
1: egg. They'd all be a lot better off if they'd, like, you know, acquainted themselves yeah. better with Diderot. What's that now? Oh, I, uh, Diderot and the insacrificatists uh, are always the thing I sort of pitch on these days when I'm thinking of pedagogical issues. I mean, they didn't have that much use for metaphysics, but mm. they were sure big on philosophy. Yeah. And... Uh, Hume, you know, guys like that, skeptics, but just basic stuff. It was basic stuff a long time ago. Changing the definition of the university was sure a bad idea, huh? Yeah. and also giving away the farm to, uh, to uh, the, the STEM enterprise and uh, the fire sector, you know, of which the STEM enterprise is too often the handmaiden. It's just like... Mm, like, eh, argh, argh. So, you, uh, Damn capitalist bastards. <laughs> <laughs> They're nuts. <laughs> you probably got that out of my
0: system. Yeah, they <laughs> Fair enough. It, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll ask a question about it. The Miraculous Miracle of the Imperial Empire, mm-hmm. that, that whole album is a comment on starting from Reagan the kind of downfall of the yeah
1: politics and yeah, society yeah i, I remember I remember i had some something very specific to say about that at one point and yeah it do, it does sort of just chronicle you know where we were up to that point and then rather imagine where it might go after that uh-huh. i think it tracks it pretty well actually yeah oh um, yeah there's, a, there's there's the little uh, excursion into antiquity and Menander mm-hmm. talking about King Melinda uh-huh. and his questions so it's kind of like that's that's a sidewater but that all happened in Afghanistan so Batria uh, I guess that's a little south of that Sogdiana. No, totally, but yeah that they, it, it's a concept album to sort of um the show is political, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. I shouldn't yeah. say to a certain extent it is entirely a Well, developing. it's, it's,
0: yeah. And it's not necessarily, it's not that easy to discern because there's stories and poetry and, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I try not to make it didactic. Yeah because that's the, the greatest it's sin art. of all. And now, improving art. Mm-hmm. Be, Im- be improved, <laughs> little auditors. You know, it's just like, man, no, that's no good. <laughs> so, yeah, I try to I try to avoid the obvious. It's sort of the opposite of Horace. In, uh, in, in, in avoiding the obvious, I become obscure. Okay
0: bit too much sometimes. So if I want to get a uh, basic introduction or appreciation of uh, philosophy, what what should I read? Hmm. Wow.
1: You know, know, I don't know what the best thing would be uh, right now. I just went through the basic, you know, I knew odds and ends before I got into undergraduate and then I just did, you know, the two historical surveys. Uh-huh. And so, any of the handbooks, mostly, mm-hmm. would be good. If the, stand, if the online Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy uh-huh. has any kind of, you know, yeah, a history of text uh-huh. associated with the website, that would be worth reading. Gotcha. Because that, that's really kind of my go-to these days. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I need a, a quick read-up on uh, Purse or somebody like that, mm-hmm. one of the crazy analytic Americans that I can't follow, really, but mm-hmm. as, I can understand it as long as I'm reading it. <laughs> right, right, <okay. laughs> But that's useful. But, okay. I mean, just... I'm a big believer, actually, in pedagogy through lists uh-huh. and and encyclopedic pedagogy, where you sort of say, well, here's the list of things that are included in here, and this is what each one of them means. Mm-hmm. And here are the books you could go read if you really want to, but it's more important that you understand the framework uh-huh. uh-huh. uh, informatively than every then little every damn last epistemologist yeah. Yeah, yeah. or everybody's epistemology. Mm-hmm. I mean, to know the branches, know what they do, know who's in it, know general views mm-hmm. and um, I think learning in general would profit from that more because than what it's doing uh, right now because yeah. you know one thing they just hammer over and over these days is the um, is-ought problem in Hume whom I mentioned earlier uh-huh. and I, I've been putting this on my Facebook page constantly because I, I really think it's, it, it's critically germane mm-hmm. to where we are at the moment from an ethical standpoint Hume pointed out that you can't get an ought from an is Okay, which, I mean, you can, you can enumerate all the physical properties of nature and all the rest of it. You can be able to manipulate them, quantify them, do all manner of things for me. It provides you no information at all as to whether I should kill you and take your stuff. Uh-huh. Because the only, th- the only thing nature yeah. teaches is that the superior force overcomes inferior uh-huh. until everything runs down. Uh-huh. That's all. There's no guide for action in it, mm-hmm. and so an exclusive focus on like STEM education, yeah. uh, which we've had since Sputnik,
0: uh, has made bad citizens. Yeah. Right, they it's, need to have a rounded out understanding. Well, yeah. I,
1: more than that, I think it's just the, the role of quantification beyond you know being able to. You know, a judge scale and do enough math to you know work up to decimal fractions and percentages, uh-huh. yeah. and maybe to work compound interest.
0: Uh-huh. It's that,
1: that plus having read widely in world literature, both artistic and philosophical mm-hmm. and historical, uh, would make a better citizen than if you had. Uh, a nation of Einsteins who, beyond their technical stuff, mm-hmm. didn't read anything but the sports and financial pages. Right, right, that, right, right, right,
0: yeah. It's, it's just yeah, that simple, and that's, yeah. that's
1: why we're where we are. Mm-hmm. The half century mm-hmm. of refusing to take seriously uh, the demands of you know, prior human culture mm-hmm. in, in explaining why we're where we are. Right, 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 right. Totally. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I would do something about it too, but I am both a weenie little musician.
0: Well, that's exactly, I mean, that's the way, a lot of, that's the way I feel too. It's like, well, I can complain about it, I can yeah, maybe share a story or, you know, I don't have a lot of... What do you do? Well, I... uh, Vote? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: it it is the case that, you know, uh, uh, sometimes democracy is so messed... Assuming it works at all, Mm -hmm. which at the stage of things... I I have butterflies in my stomach over that sometimes, but... uh, Assuming it works at all, there just come times in it where... All you can do is nudge it in your direction, like yeah. point zero, 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 you zero, small one micron. Yeah. It's the best you can do. That's all that's going to happen. Uh, you know, bad faith, false consciousness, just rotten information and the inability to recognize they've got it. It's going to make people make bad decisions sometimes, like now. Extra, yeah. you know, and it's like, at minimum, you have to know that at least every two years you have to... Get your butt up and, and get out. Go over to the neighborhood yeah. elementary school and um, stand in that possibly unreliable <laughs> electronic box and <laughs> and hit, do hit the right enact your dharma, exactly. man. Oh my God! Yeah.
0: gotta do. Well, even if it's a little bit, you gotta do it. A little it. bit of time, you gotta do it. My like, discussion with my wife last night. We're like, we're all. <laughs> There's a lot of intelligent and capable people. Why haven't we changed? And, you know, it's like what I said, and, you know, she's pretty much in agreement. It's like we don't change for the better unless there's a crisis. And it's like I just hope the crisis doesn't have to be that bad before we, you know, because there's so many...
1: Well, the sort of misnamed, Fermi paradox problem is that do we wise up? In time to avoid the-, the asteroid. Yeah, <laughs> what do you mean, we go. Omg! Oh wait, I guess we need to set a rocket out there. Yeah. You know, whatever equivalent is, do we figure out the situation yeah. before? You know, the yeah, it's like oh, he was right thing. about
0: that danger that was
1: approaching, but here it is. Yeah, well, you know, the climate change issue is that there are plenty of pessimists who say boats sailed, your toast, nice. The coast is coming up to you know, just just a little north of Macon. <laughs> Once Antarctica melts completely, please enjoy. Yeah, right, right. And yeah. Like, Regroup and- the the misnamed Fermi paradox is the reason we haven't found any aliens uh-huh. is that at least in one iteration of it, they simply you get up to a certain point of technical sophistication, it outruns your cognitive ability to deal with it, and you just wipe yourself out. Or more hopefully you drive yourself back to a pre-technological state of uh, development. Then what you do after that, I don't know. Probably die off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. so that yeah. might be where we are. I yeah. hope not, because if there, then there'll be nobody around to listen to my, as my Let's publishing music, company right, calls right. it, deathless effusions.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a. So well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have this thought that that maybe somebody will survive. <laughs> You know, uh, on some mountain like... Con-
1: Consciousness is powerful.
0: I have yeah. a feeling that owing to
1: that alone we will rival the um, the hardy hood of the cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> Not an oh, oh <laughs> album name. Uh, yeah, really yeah, is. <laughs> by my favorite band, Terrible Addicts. That's my favorite band name these days. I'm going to use that someday. Terrible Addicts? Okay. Ter- okay. You do it. You start it now. <laughs> Someone
0: will, yeah. One of them. One of the fifty hearing this will uh, will steal it now. <laughs> well, I, I just what well, my plan is to get enough recorded and then I'll start promoting it. it on iTunes and try to like. Awesome. Yeah. So great. Is, Kevin? Is there something that I did not touch on that? Yeah Why, Are you sure? Now I, pre- I, pre-
1: I pretty much I, I'm awfully repetitive I probably ran over the same uh, topic areas Three or four times Well, yeah,
0: it's a, yeah and, and like I almost experienced with everyone I talk to It's like there's a second There's got to be a part two Because, you know I I get reminded of stuff I need to ask Follow-up it, questions Anytime to you want to Alright, well, I let let me totally know. appreciate it This was a awesome It was season. lovely fun Thank you so much Very much a pleasure Well, it was really great to talk to Kevin. This could have probably gone on for another hour, so I'm going to have to make another appointment with him to talk again. Thanks, everybody. This has been another episode of Limited Perspective.